talking about something that affects so many people, but that nobody wants to talk about. Pornography. Speaking to individuals trying to stop looking at porn, and to spouses looking for support. This is Danny and Lindsay Pullman, a married couple who have been through this together. We're sharing a mix of our personal experiences, our experience as certified life coaches, and other empowering ideas. We hope this can help you on your journey. Enjoy! Hey everybody, so glad you're here today. This is Lindsay Pullman. And this is Danny. And we are coming at you from (coughs) southern France. We just got back from an amazing trip to the States. We had a wedding. We spent Christmas with family. We saw a lot of you. We saw lots of other friends. It was awesome. Yeah, I thought it went great. I uh, handled the traveling better than I have in past times. And I was pretty pleased with that. I feel like the coaching is paying off in all sorts of ways. Yeah, we did a similar (laughs) trip like this a week ago. A week ago. Sorry, a year ago where we had a visa run. Same thing. And it was a lot different a year ago. So we were both impressed that under a similar circumstance, applying for visas and things like that, and with everything going on and driving, the stress was so different stress levels were so much lower and there was a level of acceptance that really helped us enjoy our time in the states and now we're back and we definitely have been through some jet lag experience some serious jet lag a little something the french called <laughs> décalage horaire jet lag <laughs> and it's too long too many syllables yeah so lack of sleep it's kind <clears throat> of made us wonder question our sanity and kind of leads perfectly into the podcast episode today that's right today we're talking about am i crazy or not and i've definitely questioned that while being jet lagged am i crazy or is it just a jet lag or what's going on or am i sick or am i jet lagged what's going on all right so So, let's jump in all right so i'll start out um I'm going to just share kind of how it's been like for me at times in my mind, and a lot of my clients can relate to, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of you can too who are listening to this, um, in terms of <clears throat> having porn be any part of my life. Um, it's like part of me knew I wanted to have nothing to do with it, but then there's this part of me that obviously did want it because it's still a part of my life. And that drove me nuts. Like It was like... Part of me was convinced that I can't do life without porn, but then part of me just knows, like, no, I really don't want porn in my life. And it's almost like I'd be arguing in my brain, you know, that cognitive dissonance that you experience. You feel almost like like you're being torn apart by these multiple personalities or something, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, no, like, it seems like for a while, like, I don't want it, but then suddenly there's this part of me that wants it. And so then you start questioning yourself, and I'd question my integrity. Uh, maybe I just can't follow through on things, I'd tell myself. Or, or maybe something's just wrong with me. I, I might just be defective or broken, right? Or in uh, 12 Steps, we get messages like, I'm powerless, or my brain is diseased, or once an addict, always an addict. It's just in my genes, um, maybe I just have a predisposition for addiction, right? And All these not, ideas. And we're not saying 12 steps is wrong or bad. You know, this is just the experience that Danny pulled from from going to 12 steps. Yeah, and uh, the, the truth is 12 steps helps. It does help some people, but some studies suggest it's only helping about 5 to 10% of guys who are involved with it. 
to find the success that they're looking for. And so we need to have a better solution for the other 90, 95% of guys. And that's part of why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and for me, these ideas I just mentioned of being powerless or my brain being diseased were not mm -hmm. helpful for me. And they were very limiting and self-defeating, and I remained stuck as long as I kept believing those things. Yeah, and I actually remember when I heard those things that he would say or that certain therapists would say, once an addict, always an addict, this is always going to be a part of your lives. I just remember being like, what? Really? Like, this? this is it? We're just like destined to believe that it's always going to be this huge part of our lives I remember thinking like it was just kind of like I remember kind of just like a dreading the rest of my life when I would hear and choose to believe those things or ideas yeah and I'm not gonna like claim to be some expert on like full-on addiction necessarily like as it relates to even drugs or alcohol or other things um but that being said I I know a lot about how to handle this stuff and I think for <clears throat> For most people involved with this, most guys or girls, um, it's it's very important to look at what you are choosing to believe about yourself as regards to this and how that's affecting you. And whether or not it does have a disease-like effect on your brain in certain situations, you know, maybe that's not as relevant as we always make it mean. Maybe we give that kind of thing too much power. And maybe focusing on that is less helpful than we than we think it is in a yeah. lot of situations. Yeah. So that's, that's the point there. Um, yeah, so th that's, those are part of the ways that I I've, I've, would question, like, am I crazy? What's going on? Like, am I broken? Yeah. It was, uh, it's confusing. It, yeah. it, it drove me nuts. And I think it's really fascinating <laughs> to hear you know, Danny's side, because when I, it parallels a lot with how I felt, like I questioned, am I crazy, right? And I kind of argued with my brain and I wondered if I was defective or if I was broken or something was wrong with me because my husband chose to do this. Um, so I think it's really it's interesting. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, cause a lot of times I don't, I don't want to say all women do this, but I know for me, I, when I found out my husband was looking at pornography, I like took ownership and some responsibility for that. My husband wasn't telling me to do that, but I kind of took that on. Um, so yeah, I wondered if I was crazy and then I kind of started questioning the whole marriage, right? Like, well, if this has been happening for this long and I had no idea, like what else is real, what else is fake? And it just kind of starts, like I found myself kind of spiraling into this you know, area of confusion and, you know, what felt like complete lack of control. So, That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so <clears throat> why do you think this happened with you? Um, well, I think it happened because I didn't have the tools or capacity to understand everything that I understand today. So I think it's totally okay that I was there. And I think it also happened because, you know, I – just from different like societal norms and things that I, you know, things that I learned growing up, I kind of chose to believe that, you know, people look at pornography maybe when they're not happy with how their wives look. And if a man is looking at another woman in that way, then this obviously means that he's not sad, you know, whatever it is. And I remember before even knowing that like my husband was looking at pornography, like thinking, if someone else's husband is looking at porn, then he's probably not like satisfied with her. And I obviously know now that that's completely not true, but me believing that about other people, 
made it so that when I found out my husband was looking, I totally took all those on, all those beliefs on about myself. And so, yeah, I actually had a a life coach friend who, she didn't know Lindsay. She knew me, knew me first. And, um, and she knew that this is something that I had been working on, um, with pornography and, and when she finally saw a picture of my wife, she's like, well, that's just evidence right there that it has nothing to do with how gorgeous your wife is. <laughs> like, she's a babe. And uh, anyway, it, it was just kind of a funny thing that she said that uh, did drive home an important point. Like, it really ultimately has nothing to do with how you look. Right. And right? right. I totally believe that now. That being said, I think sometimes that... You know, wives tend to believe that, and sometimes they believe that because they're choosing to believe, you know, words that their husbands have said, right? There are some situations or scenarios where a husband will say something like, well, if we had sex more, I wouldn't need pornography. If we did this more, if you did this more, then I wouldn't need it, right? Um, And so it makes sense that, you know, a woman might believe some of the things because of what her husband says, but... Also, I think it can be really empowering to remember that, like, we, no one can make us believe anything unless we choose to, right? And so, I had a a bishop tell me that this would all get easier after I'm married. And boy, was that a load of crap. (laughs) (laughs) He was was there trying to help, doing the best with what he knew how. I'm not, I don't want to judge him, but. But I, I bought into that idea at the time, and I was like, oh, yeah, because then I'll be sexually active with someone on a regular basis, hopefully, and and uh, so it'll be easier, right? But it, it doesn't, it does not change or help the issue. That's not the issue. Right. So. so what is the issue then? So why is it that, and this is just, you know, especially for, like, male <laughs> listeners, like, well, and women too, why is it that men still want to cope with pornography after they become more sexually active after they're married or even when, you know, when they are sexually active? Yeah, good question. Okay, and so that leads me into talking about, like, what some of the things that have really helped me to address these issues where I did feel like I was crazy. And a lot of that has to do with just understanding uh, more clearly how the brain works in response to these things, okay? So... So I'm just going to talk about that on a basic level here. Um, some of the physiology of the brain and uh, how it reacts. Uh, so in your brain, you have neurotransmitters, right? And they're meant for all different things. Um, one of them is dopamine. And dopamine is a, a neurotransmitter is a chemical that basically helps your brain to do something, one of its operations, okay? And dopamine's job, one of them, is to reward you for doing things that um, the, the design is actually meant to help you be motivated to do things that are going to improve your status in your life, right? So so finding warmth or shelter or connectedness with someone or being productive in some way, uh, finding food, because, you know, in the old, old times, finding something that tasted good, um, only really natural things were available back then, and so the things that tasted good were actually going to help you to improve your status in your life, right? And and then making babies, right? The human race needs to have a system in place to make babies in order for it to survive and move on. And dopamine rewards sex, so that we'll do that. So the helpful way that it's been for me to look at it is 
that dopamine is there to reward me to have to sex. have sex in a natural way. But then what happens is you <clears throat> you get these sort of man-made concentrated versions of things that provide a dopamine response as well. Mm-hmm. And they even provide a concentrated version of that where you get a, an overload of dopamine, an unnatural yeah. response. Right. And it could be for something that actually does not improve your status in any way in your life. And for me, porn was one of those things. Like when I looked at the effects of regular porn use in my life, <clears throat> it was a net negative effect. I didn't like it. And if I really looked at like the long term on that, it it was not improving my status in my life. Yet the way that my brain is designed is to reward me to go after something like that because your brain doesn't know the difference when it's dopamine it says hey wow that's a ton of dopamine that must be way more important than these other natural activities that just give me a little bit so let's make sure we get more of that let's learn how to get it pay attention to all the things that are going to get me there to get more of it and this I might even die without this this is important to my survival is how that particular part of your brain uh, responds to the dopamine you get from it. Right. So it's a quicker hit, but it's also a quicker drop. And so when you say net negative, <clears throat> do you want to make that clear so people know what that means? So like a natural, a more natural dopamine hit is more sustainable. You know, think about how you feel, how you exercise, right? Like you don't always get this amazing, like, oh my gosh, this feels so good. I'm on a bicycle ride. Like, I mean, you can, but it's more, it's a more natural, sustainable um, dose of dopamine but with something concentrated like pornography or you know even social media social media I'm not and I again like I'm not saying social media is bad but it's a concentrated form of connection and it's even kind of a it can be considered like a false pleasure to a false sense of connection right so we're not I'm not trying to compare the two but we just want to talk about like what a net negative effect is I guess so that people sure. can understand that better yeah. So what okay. would you say that is? So one thing that um, I notice and a lot of guys I coach notice is when you use something like this that overloads your system with dopamine on natural amounts, um, your, your dopamine <clears throat> receptors, they adjust down in your brain so that the next time you have that same amount of stimulus in the same way, you get a little bit less dopamine mm-hmm. with something like this. And so as you if if you're regularly using it then those receptors will adjust down further and further so mm-hmm. you need the same amount if you want the same amount of dopamine and reward in your brain you're actually going to need more and more of the stimulus so so a lot of guys might notice if they're doing this really regularly that they end up needing to look at porn longer or maybe more extreme versions of it that uh, that they wouldn't have initially just to get the same rise. And mm-hmm. if you grow accustomed for your normal functioning to having those dopamine levels at a certain level, um, then you uh, you end up... <clears throat> um, I'm getting stuck on what I was saying there. You end up needing more to get to just... Yeah, whatever. Yeah, so it can become this downward spiral where you end up, you know, maybe spending more and more time doing it as time right. goes on. And and then it's not actually improving my status in any way. It's not helping me to find real connection with a real woman. It's not helping me to be more motivated with work. And what happens too is when those your dopamine receptors are affected in this way with all this overstimulus, mm-hmm. then 
then other more natural activities become much more dull and it's almost like you start seeing the rest of the world in black and white and it's, you don't get as uh, good of a dopamine reward for more natural activities. And But then so, what guys notice too is, and what I noticed is as you remove porn from your life more uh, for longer periods of time, then you're going to notice a difference in that and other more natural activities will become yeah. more appealing in that sense. Yeah, I think, and I think a quick way to think of a net negative would mm. be for me personally. Um, so my, like a personal example of net negative would be if I were to eat a brownie or a cookie, I'm going to get a quick hit, like a quick dopamine increase. But if I have like way too much and it's right before bed, then the next day I'm going to be lethargic. I might, you know, I might not get up to exercise. I might not experience the, the day to the fullest um, and be as connected to myself. And so I think the overall effect of having a huge, huge serving of like brownie Sunday type thing to me would be an overall net negative effect. So there's kind of a quicker example a more succinct example too, and maybe more relatable for some for you out there that are listening that don't listen to pornography or don't listen. I guess you could listen. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> don't look at pornography. No, that, that's a good example. Like you, you do. It does acknowledge that you do get a short term benefit of sorts, but then the the overall short term dopamine hit long term effect is actually negative. Negative. Yeah. yeah. And so that's kind of what say. Danny was saying too. Is like the next day he might not be as connected and with you know with his actual life. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So another thing that helps to understand, and if you want more in depth on any of these things I'm about to talk about, then um, I'll put a note for my uh, my free guide on how to get started on stopping looking at porn, mm-hmm. and uh, just putting a note there to remind myself to do that. And it goes a little bit more in depth on these things. It's still kind of a basic level, but uh, it's enough to get your wheels turned and get you started. But yeah, another another thing that's helpful is to understand you have this lower part of your brain called well, it's it's I like to call it your lizard brain. Okay, it's it's a part of your brain that's similar evolutionarily speaking to lizards, what they're working mm-hmm. with. But then on top of that, we have our higher evolved, most powerful tool on the planet, the prefrontal cortex human brain okay that's what sets us apart from animals it helps us think about the future think about the past exactly it helps you imagine things be creative it Mm -hmm. helps with problem solving right it also helps with problem creating (laughs) problem creating it's it's a place creation (laughs) where you can actually increase your consciousness and observe what you're thinking and feeling you can actually think about what you're thinking about with this part of your brain it's so powerful right but we can't always operate there because we have a lot of things to do, a lot of stimulus to interpret in our lives. So our lower brain, we delegate a lot of things to that where it becomes kind of automatic, unconscious. Kind of like if you're driving and you're a little distracted and you end up a few blocks closer to where you're going, but you don't even remember really driving or consciously mm-hmm. doing it, right? It, you, you have this part of your brain that does it automatically. And so that part of your brain has been taught to want porn and go for more of it. So, so you ha- that's part of why you end up with those conflicting parts in your mind, where you've got the one part that brings the strong impulse for it, immediate, like, let's get this pleasure, yeah. right? Let's hide in the cave. Yeah. This is important to our survival. But then you have the upper part that's like, hey, long term, this might not be the best idea. I, I don't want it for this reason, this reason, this reason. And so that's part of why you have experienced that the conflict. Back and forth. Yeah. And then so for... it's a normal thing. It's it's meant to be designed that way. And we've, we've kind of taught our brains 
to do yes. it that way too, whether and, directly or indirectly. Right. And then from my standpoint too, like that lower brain, I think that's why you have the back and forth too. It's almost like this, like not a battle, but it's like this back and forth between the lower and upper brain. It's like, well, my husband, you know, this isn't the case for everybody, but well, my husband came and told me, so he was straightforward about it. But then it's like, there's this other part that's like, but he was doing it without telling you for years. And so, you know, you shouldn't believe anything that he says. And, and so I like to look at the lower brain as this, like, it literally has like, you know, it seeks out the motivational triad, like it wants to keep you safe. That's the ultimate goal. And so sometimes that back and forth is this, like the survival instinct is trying to just protect you and keep you safe. And part of, you know, protecting me and keeping me safe would maybe be like withdrawing from someone or something that I deem to be unsafe in the moment. And so that back and forth sometimes is just kind of, you know, when we feel conflicted, it can just simply be that back and forth with the upper and the lower brain. And sometimes all we need to do, I think it's really healthy to listen to the lower brain. And I think it's incredible that we have a prefrontal cortex where sometimes it's more of just reassuring the lower brain, making sure it feels heard so that we can move forward in the way that we want to. Yeah, I love it. Well said. Uh, so another thing that was really helpful to understand is about willpower. And I'll try to be quick on this. I can go on for a while with these things. Okay. So and this all like we all go we go into all of this so much deeper in our one on one coaching. So Yes. Um, and I have a lot of blog posts on this stuff too. If yeah. you go to my website. Um, but with willpower, what a lot of us naturally do is that we say, let's try to fix this just with my willpower. I just need stronger willpower and need to hold out long enough to beat these urges, right? But what not everybody realizes about willpower is in our brains, it is a limited resource and it can be depleted. They call it ego depletion. And um, so, so what happens is we naturally use willpower. We have an urge come up, right? That we've kind of conditioned our brains to go for. <clears throat> can I just... Or, jump in real quick um so the way danny talks about this like if you can't relate to pornography at all like it just doesn't make any sense to you i think it can be really helpful to think about this with like food willpower with food and maybe if you've ever tried to lose weight it's very the way the brain operates is very very similar yeah so many parallels to weight loss and our relationship with food with pornography um so yeah, you we, we naturally want to have an urge come up. We use willpower to resist it and say, I'm just going to hold out. I'm going to beat this urge, right? But then what happens is the willpower is going to run out if you don't do anything to address where those urges are coming from. And, um, and then you end up giving in and looking at porn or eating the donut, whatever it is. Yeah, because like, think about it. Like There have been times where you like, I know the donuts are bad. I know the donuts are bad. I know the donuts are bad. And then whatever it is that you're saying to yourself, you might start feeling, you know, hopeless or desperate. And guess what you do? You eat 12 donuts instead of one donut. Yeah. Right? And so I know some of you are probably thinking, no, no, no. Well, come on. Like food, like pornography is a moral issue and food is not. What we're focused on today is how the brain is responding to, you know, things that we take into our bodies whether it's visually through our eyes or through our mouths yes so in this instance if you give in after resisting with willpower the dopamine rewards this whole pattern of having an urge come resisting with willpower and then that runs out and then you turn to porn right so 
it actually puts an incentive for this whole pattern that makes it even harder to stop than it would be if we never did this pattern. Does that make sense? So there becomes an incentive to have another urge, but there's also an incentive to resist it with willpower initially or entirely, and then to deplete that and then look at porn. Okay, so, so it, it, it reinforces a cycle that makes it actually harder to stop. So why, why do we want to he even hear this? This doesn't even sound fun. <laughs> why well, is this good news well this is awesome <laughs> news and it uh relates to part of what you just said like we um when when we have these conflicting things come up in our mind or we have an urge for something like porn and we think it's a moral issue um a lot of times we just judge the heck out of ourselves and make it mean terrible things that's what i did i made it mean terrible things if i had an urge just for having an urge for porn like oh, i'm terrible i'm unworthy i'm not a good husband father like i would go to the extreme with this and having that conflict in your brain like oh i should be more motivated to stop looking at porn right yeah. but maybe you shouldn't actually maybe the your brain is doing exactly what it needs to right now and I w other things i would think or is, what if it's a sign that your brain is working perfectly based on how you've conditioned it in the past right so taking you know if we like drove this parallel food analogy like why would i even want a donut donuts are so bad for me blah 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 blah, blah. but like the reality is is if we've conditioned our brain to like get those dopamine hits and want more donuts it actually makes perfect sense that that's what our brain is going to tell us is the good thing, right? Because the brain isn't operating on morals versus non-morals. The brain is operating based on, you know, dopamine and other, you know, other hormone things, whatever. I don't know. How would you say that? Uh, well, yeah, certain parts of your brain uh, aren't operating on a moral thing, right? But then right. you get to you get to choose the moral part of it more than you think, right? A lot of times we think we just force these morals on ourselves or that we have to think a certain way because it's of the church we belong to or whatever but we always get to choose how we believe and so ultimately in short you can make it mean something wrong with you when these things come up in your brain or you can make it mean something's right with you from a religious standpoint I, I would make it mean that maybe I'm like an enemy to God. You know, there's a scripture that, that talks about it in those terms. Or it's like, I must just be susceptible to the devil or um, things like that. But that or wasn't necessarily helpful. Is working, you know, the adversary has me in his clasp or whatever. Yeah, but, but the whole point of this is, is let's look at how we are judging ourselves for the way our brain operates. Let's understand more clearly how it was designed uh, because when you understand that, then you can start making it mean. You get to choose what you make it mean. And for me, I've found it much more helpful to make it mean that this means there's something right with me. This means there's something right with my brain. My brain isn't broken and diseased. My brain is working by design. And then if you believe that God had something to do with giving you your brain or designing it, like, mm -hmm. it is working the way God designed it. And how much more empowering and helpful is that for me to actually address the issue and then learn how to use that uh, use my brain in a way where I can reprogram that lower part of the brain to be working automatically in my favor for the results that I want. And that's that's the the one of the underlying messages here, too, is you can change your brain mm -hmm. through neuroplasticity, that principle. Uh, you can actually 
change it to work in your favor. Right, because like if we've conditioned it and if it starts working habitually, quote unquote, against our will, even though it's something that we've chosen, like you can, we can retrain our brain and like make it work for us habitually to not desire pornography. And that perceived weakness or that perceived thing that is really hard, it can literally become some, more of a strength for us. Just so powerful. And if it feels like too much to think that, to like believe exactly what Danny said, like, you know, you could think, ask yourself, well, what if, like, what if it's true that God designed my brain the way that it is? Like, what if that were possible, right? Sometimes we need to like baby step our way into, you know, choosing these new thoughts that are trying on these new thoughts that can be so much more empowering. And sometimes it's more about just neutralizing, you know, the negative emotions, then going from like a negative emotion to like the most powerful, incredible, happy emotion in the world. So is there anything else you would want to say about what helped you deal with your questioning your sanity? (laughs) Yeah, sorry. We kind of got on like a brain tangent today. But yeah, I think the big thing is like, you know, I went through this, like, I didn't know it was real thing. I questioned everything. I started wondering what was true or not true in our marriage. And I think ultimately what helped me the most was just to, like, I just, I had made a decision that like, you know, I don't need to like, I don't know the percentage, but if my husband was looking at pornography 0.025% of the time, I don't need to make it mean that 100% of my life or my marriage was fake. And that's a choice that I chose to You know, that's a thought that I chose to um, think and believe, and it's not going to be the same for everybody, but that really helped me too. And I think the other thing that helps a lot, I think can help for a lot of women, is to have like some sort of like protocol or plan to put into place for when your husband tells you that he looks at pornography, right? And so, you know, I think sometimes in the beginning we might think like, oh, like my husband looked at porn. I should have known. How did I not know? Like, I'm so stupid. And then, you know, when you say that to yourself, you start feeling stupid and you feel dumb. And then you kind of start questioning everything, right? And then what we're doing is we're reinforcing this idea or belief that we can't trust ourselves. And so, you know, something simple that you could do just to kind of baby step your your way away from like believing that you're stupid is just to make some sort of plan to take care of yourself the next time that it happens, right? I'm not saying there will be a next time, but it's very likely if your husband is looking at pornography and wants to stop that he will probably relapse. And that doesn't mean he's going backwards. It's just part of the process of becoming who he wants to be. And sometimes that means making mistakes or looking at pornography. And so what I would do is like set up a plan for myself to keep myself safe, right? And so let's say it was you know, just take some space in my room, you know, sit, read, write, whatever it is, I like literally set up my own protocol, okay? And if the same thing happened, husband looks at pornography, your husband tells me he looked at pornography, I might think, instead of thinking, oh, I should have known that this would happen, or how could I not know, I might just think, I'm going to follow my protocol and keep myself safe, right? And so I might, that might not make me feel like amazing, but it's going to just help me feel kind of this sense of calm for me personally. And when I'm feeling calm, guess what I'm going to do? I am going to follow my protocol and I'm going to continue to take care of myself and I'm going to do my best to be connected with myself. Even if I'm in pain and I'm struggling and I'm still angry and annoyed or whatever it is, I'm still allowing myself to like feel and metabolize whatever comes up. 
And I think the result is, is that as I stay connected to myself and follow through with plans that I commit to, is I can, I develop and grow and foster that trust in myself. And then I don't have to question my craziness or my worth or that anything is wrong with me because I know that, you know, just this little act of like following through with time, it will, it can really help like develop that internal trust. And I don't need to rely on external things happening in the world for me to believe that intrinsically. Mm, I like that. So basically don't leave the verdict of whether you're crazy or not up to the world or someone else or culture or whatever it is like ultimately whether you feel crazy or not is up to you you get to choose am i gonna call myself crazy or am i gonna accept myself as i am and work with where i'm at start where i'm at right and people might tell you you're crazy and people like that's the thing too is like if you're if you decide to open up about you know some some of this stuff with you know friends in your life some people you know they're gonna tell you you're amazing and support whatever you're doing and some people are gonna tell you you are crazy and i like i went through that where i had friends who just thought what the the journey or the road that I was carving out for myself was absolutely crazy, right? And that's totally okay. They can totally say and believe those things about me. That's so great. And I get to, I got to choose what to take on and what to accept and what to believe about myself. And I found it so much more empowering to do this work and think how I want to think so that I could feel the way I want to feel and, you know, develop and foster that trust in myself. So I think that's it. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Oh, we'll we'll talk about these more in other episodes. But also remember, yeah, like with what Lindsay was saying about some of the self care things she mentioned. Remember to to get enough sleep and get good nutrition, exercise, things like that. Like that can help you to feel less crazy too, right? Yeah, and it <laughs> helps with that that more pure like dopamine release, like getting sleep and proper nutrition and exercise. It can help you feel. It's like a more sustainable, you know, dopamine hit, I guess, too. Yeah, but so. but even with that, like, if you're not sleeping enough and not getting good nutrition and your body feels funny, That's okay maybe too. your body's actually responding to bad nutrition and not enough sleep just as it's supposed to maybe you're not crazy maybe it's just meant to be (laughs) yeah and that's the thing too if you're like feeling insomnia which is a common thing that happens to women when when they go through this kind of stuff like that's normal too it's it's a a response that we have so whatever you're feeling or going through is probably normal so but take care basically you're not crazy and if you can yeah do those little things to take care of yourself even when you don't want to All right, guys. I'll see you next time. See you later. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you're ready to get unstuck, move forward, or just feel better about your life and marriage, please reach out to us, whether it's for both of you or just yourself. You'd be surprised how much progress can be made in your marriage even if one of you works on the relationship. Don't wait for someone else to make things better for you. For more information or to find out what it would be like to have a coach, visit our websites, lindsaypullman.com and dannypullman.com. Make sure you spell Pullman, P-O-E-L-M-A-N. For freebies or other guides mentioned, check out the show notes. And to our current clients, we love you and thank you for letting us be a part of your hero's journey. 